Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Invisible Artist Show. Your place where you can come and listen, get excited, be inspired, and learn the tips, tricks, and different processes that other artists have gone through on their journey to success. Let's face it, guys. This is a completely new day and age. The entire music industry has changed. We have the internet and smartphones and social media and advertisements and all this different kinds of stuff that has become very frustrating in different ways for upcoming artists. And that's what we're here to do is we just want to help inspire you and let you guys know that you too can become a very successful artist. and You can have the life of your dreams if you so choose to. For those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Jason, a.k.a. DJ Protege, and I'm the CEO and founder of Protege Music. I've been a DJ for the last 20 years, and I've been a producer for the last 10. So as you can imagine, I've had a lot of ups and downs in my own journey to become a successful artist. In order to help paint the picture here and create a context, I just need to take you guys back a little bit to let you guys know where I started. See, I didn't have a musical background. Nobody in my family was into music. I have not been doing this since I was eight years old, like a lot of big famous artists out there. I got a really late start. I do remember very, very distinctly though, back when I was a little kid, I don't know the exact age because I was a kid, but it was way back when. And it was probably before I was about 10 years old. And I remember popping this cassette tape into my deck. And I turned it on and it was uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. See, I was so inspired by that band, <clears throat> the way it made me feel. I used to close my eyes and take this music in. And I could just see myself on stage as the lead singer, a total rock star, just, just dropping it on this crowd and partying it up. That was my little my little dream as a kid. And I was so excited about that, but you know, there was problems along the way and stuff. Like, even though I had that dream, uh, we were a very poor family and uh, a very strict family at, at that. Uh, my, my parents literally monitored everything that I watched and listened to, you know, as a good parent does. But uh, I wasn't allowed to play with certain things because of religious views. Like I didn't have G.I. Joe toys. I couldn't listen to certain kinds of music. Like even Def Leppard was kind of like a no-no, but I was sneaking that stuff in. And, you know, I, I was never in music. We, we were poor. I didn't get to do a lot of extracurricular programs and stuff. The only thing that I did do when I was a kid is uh, I took a music class at school and my instrument was a saxophone. And even though I could, you know, I was learning how to play the sax and stuff, it's just, it didn't match the vision that was in my head. Like, I didn't know any rock stars that were on stage playing the, the saxophone. I wanted to be the lead singer. Like, I wanted to be on the guitar and just, you know, thrashing it up there. So I just kind of naturally drifted away from the saxophone. And, you know, I was never into music uh, as far as playing music for most of my life. I loved listening to music. I was all into rock music and hip-hop and getting inspired that way. But by the time I became a teenager, I was like a troubled kid. I was in and out of trouble all the time. I was running with the wrong people, you know, just causing a ruckus. And mainly just because we were bored and being kids. But, you know, I was doing some uh, some pretty nasty stuff. 
And I'll never forget, back in like 1992, I go to a rave. Now these raves, uh, this is when it first started. Like they weren't advertised. It was private invite only. It was completely illegal. They were in warehouses and in uh, you know places that you wouldn't even think about throwing a party. And I go to these parties and I realize something. Hey, I can just be myself. This is an awesome environment. Look at all these people and the conversations we were having. The the weird kind of music that I was listening to. It was it was straight like techno and trance back then. Like um, it wasn't rock music and rap. It was, it was something completely new. I've never heard anything like that before. And to be honest with you, I didn't even really like it that much, unless I was partying. If I was partying, it was all good. Outside of the raves, I just listened to my hip hop and my rap. But the thing was is having that feeling of being able to become like who I want to be and just be myself without the judgment that had an impact on my life that would change my entire life forever. I eventually stopped running around with the wrong crowd and I just started immersing myself into the rave scene. I just couldn't get enough of it. And back in those days there was, man, I didn't even know what party to go to because there were so many great parties going on with so many great DJs like everybody knew who these guys were and we could not wait for them to come back but sometimes they were playing at separate parties so we're like what do we do then one day it wasn't right in the beginning it was probably about 10 years later so from 1992 skipping forward to like 2002 I had this light bulb go off in my head I was like, I want more of this into my life every single day. I'm tired of waiting for the parties to come. I bet you I could DJ. I know I could DJ. I wonder if I could like put my twist on it and people would recognize me as like, oh, that's that style DJ. And all these things going through my head, I was so excited. So I had this plan. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some turntables. I'm going to become a great DJ and I'm going to start throwing parties. I had this conflict though, <laughs> okay? I had this problem, I hit another wall. See, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have any money really. And when I went to go buy the equipment, I realized it's super extremely expensive. I could afford the records, but I couldn't afford the equipment. If you can't get the equipment, what's the point? You can't DJ. So something remarkable happened. I feel like I got blessed. Some people that I met at a, at a party, we became close friends and started hanging out. And they gave me a phone call saying, hey, we're at this real estate sale or a garage sale or something. I can't remember. There was some kind of sale. And they were, they were telling me, they were like, look, we see this big giant box. It's almost brand new. And it's got turntables in the mixer. It's like a DJ starter kit. Would you be interested in having that? I said, heck yeah, dude, like how much is that? I was so excited over this. And they were like, well, it's like about 400 bucks. I said, damn. I said, I don't have any money. I definitely don't have 400 bucks. And to my surprise, they were like, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to pick it up if if you can just pay us back. I think this is a good investment. So we want to do this for you. And, um, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I said, thank you so much. So they come and give me my turntables and stuff. And 
all of you guys know is if, if you're into DJing and stuff, what it's like to first hook up that equipment and throw a record on and try to start mixing. It was very frustrating. I realized like I didn't know what I was doing. I had been watching these DJs for like 10 years and I literally picked up nothing. Like I had no idea how to get started. And it's funny because, you know, a few days later, the, the people that gave me that box and put me on this payment plan uh, hit me up and they were like, hey, we got tickets to Rave on the Rocks. Do you want to go? And if you don't know what Rave on the Rocks is, it's an old school party. They call it Global Dance Fest now. But those were like some of the best parties you could ever go to. And for us, you know, it was 20 bucks, which was expensive for a show. But it was the best time you'll ever have. So I was like, heck yeah, let's go. And we're, we're driving from Colorado Springs all the way to Denver, Colorado. It's like 75 miles away. And I remember like playing all the new tracks uh, that I just discovered from like Tiesto and, and uh, Humpty Vision and all these guys. And we're just getting hyped up. We're ready to go to this party and have this experience. And we do. We have the greatest experience. It was like the second time I saw... Um, Rabbit in the Moon and Infected Mushroom and all these big, big names. And they just, they just literally killed it. I felt inspired. I felt like it changed my life. I felt like I was onto something like I'm figuring life out, which is important at a young age. I think we all go through that at one point, like where, where we think we know it all and that we're figuring it out. Well, we do this. We go to this party, have a great experience. We're, kind of, we're, we're on our ride back. We're driving 75 miles back home and we're all talking and stuff. And uh, I told him, I was like, I'm so sorry that I haven't made any payments on the turntables yet. I'm just going through a rough time and I, I will, you can count on me. I'm paying you back. I promise. And they were like, oh, don't worry about it. In fact, here's what we want to do. We believe that you have what it takes to do something great. So we're going to make a deal with you right now. And I said, oh, no, what's going on? And they're kind of quiet for a minute, and they look at each other, and they just smile. And I was like, what is going on? And uh, his, his wife turns to me, and she was like, here's what we're going to do. We love your style of music. Like, all the stuff that you've shown us, it's just, like, over-the-top amazing. What we're going to do is if you promise to burn four of your best DJ sets on CD, you can have the turntables for free. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Really? You you guys are going to give me the, the turntable set, $400 value for four CDs? And they said, that's our agreement. I said, no problem. I went home. I didn't even have a CD burner. I didn't have computers or anything. I just gave them my four best CDs. It was like George Acosta and Sandra Collins and a couple other CDs. Some of my favorite DJ sets that I had. And I got my first set of turntables for free. That was amazing to me. I was like, oh my God, something's happening. And I remember I tried to throw my first party. It's in my apartment. I was actually moving out. I cleared out all of the furniture. And I just invited a bunch of friends. And keep in mind, we didn't have cell phones and stuff back then, guys. So I literally had to get on the phone and dial and talk to each and every person and have them spread the word. And I said, I need speakers. I need a sound system. I got the turntables. I got this and that. This is what we need. We all came together. Everybody shows up at my house. I got like 30 people at my house, right? 
And my friend uh, Dwayne comes in with these giant Kenwood speakers. These things were huge. I was like, hell yeah, we're going to rock this party tonight. We didn't care about our neighbors. Um, I don't recommend doing this, by the way, a little disclaimer. Uh, this is very bad. So, like, we throw this party. Cops show up almost immediately because we were just immediately loud. It was literally shaking the building next to us. Okay, cops show up, walk in my house. I kicked them out of my house. Said, you guys can't come in. And, uh, you know, they roughed me up a little bit, throw me in a car and try to scare me and stuff. So I ended up letting them in the house. They checked everything out. I'll never forget this. My friends, we're all, my friends were all sitting on the floor, the ones that were left. And, and we just start kind of talking crap in front of the cops. We're just like, hey, you know what? Screw all this, dude. They can be that way. Uh, let's just move the party to Dwayne's house. Our neighbors are cool, and we can get loud there, and we'll go there. Right in front of the police. There's nothing they could do. So we literally did that. We packed up our stuff, took it over to Dwayne's house, set it back up, and we threw a phenomenal party, dude. It was so much fun. Like the people that we invited, we were just all so connected. And what was funny about it too is I did not know how to DJ. I didn't know how to mix. Like I didn't know how to to like match beats. I didn't know how to do nothing. Literally, my way of mixing was I'd let a record play until the break point, like the middle of it, and then I would like try to mix in another record from the breaking point. And hope it sounds good. I'm trying to like just blend it the best I could. It was not very good, guys. Like it was awful. But lucky for me, everybody at the party was so jacked up. They thought it was cool. <laughs> it kind of went with their trip. So it was it was really awesome to go through that. And you know, we continued uh, doing those little house parties for the next few months. And I remember uh, a couple of my friends, Dwayne and, and our boys, got together and we were like, "Hey, dude." I think we got something going on here. We should do something with this. Like these are the coolest parties and it's like the best people showing up. It got to a point guys where we were throwing these parties and there was a hundred people showing up to a condominium. And we literally had to lock the door so nobody could come in or, in or out. And we did this for a while too. We're like, we packed it, pack a house party or a condo with like, a hundred people. It was like shoulder to shoulder packed and we just rock out and we never, not once got busted by the police. We did have cops show up sometimes, but they were never able to come in and they never shut us down. Pretty amazing. I feel blessed that it happened that way. So my friends are all talking to me and they're like, we should do something with this. And I was like, hell yeah. So what do you got in mind? They were like, well, you can DJ and we'll throw more parties and we should start charging at the door. I said, that's a great idea. How much would we charge? <laughs> it was so funny. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. So that kind of resonated with me. That was another light bulb that went off. I was like, we actually do really have something good going on here. And uh, I started getting to know other DJs, uh, more like local DJs, and trying to get everybody to work together. Well, fast forward a little bit more. Uh, we've been doing this for a while, but, you know, the music was like all that I had in my life. I would literally wake up at four in the morning. I'm on the turntables trying to figure out how to mix just to pull one good mix. And I was so poor, like I literally had cardboard boxes with my turntables on it. So every time I like rock the record and try to throw it in, my entire setup was swaying back and forth. And I was just praying I wouldn't fall over. 
And that's all that I had was that music. And the rest of my life just was not that great. Like I was working my butt off as a roofer in construction. So it was a very, very physical job. And like I said, I was up at 4 a.m. trying to pull mixes. As soon as I would get home, I'm DJing to like 10 o'clock to midnight, just trying to figure this, this technique out, trying to pull it, at least just one good mix. And I had no clue what I was doing. And there was nobody to train me. And eventually I got to a point where I had an opportunity come up. There was a girl that I had been dating and we broke up because she went to the military. She got deployed out to Germany and lo and behold, she actually came back like a few years later and she hit me up, said that she wanted to see me. So we just instantly connected again, uh, invited her to a couple of our parties and it was just so cool to watch. Like, She's just this military person. She doesn't do drugs or get high or anything like that. But she's probably the only person sober at that party. And I remember her, uh, you know, just making out with my friend's girlfriend while getting a foot massage. And just like everybody's loving on her. And just like this great, happy vibe. And she loved it. And we were talking and, uh, you know, we decided to, that we were going to play with the idea of getting married. I said, well, how are we going to do that? You live in Germany. She's like, well, why don't you come to Germany? I said, I can do that. She was like, yeah, come out to Germany. We can get married and you can stay. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And I hit that other wall, like money and all this stuff. So I just started selling everything. I sold pretty much everything that I owned except for my record bag and two suitcases full of clothes. And I took off to Germany. And what was cool, I was I was just so excited to be getting rid of the stressful life that I had and starting new in a whole different country, especially in Germany, because, you know, that's where all this electronic music, to me, that's where it all came from. Like the UK, Germany, Switzerland, all these UK techno DJs, if you will. And I was so excited to go out there. And when I got out there, you know, it, it was awesome. My, my wife was there to meet me and uh, take me in and show me the ropes. And then we ended up going out to Denmark and we got married, which was an awesome trip. And to make things stressful, two weeks later, they shipped her off to Qatar. So I'm out there in a foreign country all by myself. I have no friends. I got no job. I have no money. And I don't even know how to read the signs. And I literally closed up. I was like, I don't know what to do. My my wife was so loving, man. She knew how much music meant to me. And she knew she was going away uh, for a little while, a few months. And uh, she wanted to make sure I was taken care of. So first she had... She made sure I had stuff to do. So I got a PlayStation. I think it was like a PlayStation 2 or something. That's how long ago it was. And uh, we ended up, she talked to some friends, and we ended up being able to get a set of turntables and a mixer. I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. So I didn't really need to leave anywhere except to get groceries and stuff. Like, I really didn't have any reason to. Like, I didn't know anybody. I was on a military base, so, like, I was very uncomfortable with that. Everything was new, and I was already uncomfortable. So I was kind of like a hermit for the first month that I was out there. I didn't leave. The only thing I had to do was play video games and spin records. 
Now, I didn't really learn anything uh, that much, you know, practicing and practicing and practicing as far as like mixing. I just really got to know my records. I knew every single spot that uh, that the record changed in beat and tempos and like where the break was. I knew everything about each and every one of my records at that point. Still didn't know how to mix. But luckily, I had uh, I had my wife's uh, like sergeant. He would come in to check on me and take me off to go do stuff. And he asked me, he's like, so what are you into? Like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to the clubs. And he was like, what kind of clubs? I said, anywhere that they play techno music. And uh, he was like, why? And I was like, look, I put a lot of thought into this. I'm out here. And this is my biggest passion is, is music. I just want to DJ. And, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of equipment. So I think the best thing for me to do would just go to these clubs. If you can get me to the clubs, I can go talk to the owners and all the other DJs and I can start getting gigs. And he was like, okay, well, let's go do that. So he took me to this place called the Crystal Club. And it was cool, man. Like, we went and had a couple drinks. The main floor was all hip-hop, and then they had a techno room. And uh, I talked to all kinds of people. I was asking bartenders and stuff, like, hey, dude, who's the owner of this place? Like, who do I talk to to get booked? And finally, I found I found my way down to two people. I got the owner of the, of the club and then the main DJ that runs everything for, for both rooms. And I talked to the owner. I said, hey, man, can I just audition for you? And um, he was like, yeah, man, go talk to that guy and stuff, and he'll, uh, he'll put you on. So I go talk to this guy. And, and keep in mind, like, I don't know the language. And these guys don't like to speak English. So I had to really change how I communicated with these guys. All I knew I was, is I was just really excited to be even a part of this. So I – talked to this guy I said I just want to audition you don't have to pay me or nothing if you like my music can you just let me play I want to play here and um he was like I'll be right back so he went and talked to some people and next thing I know I'm surrounded like all the DJs in that club came up to me oh you're American DJ they were like so excited I was there and I was like what is going on and, and I kind of puffed my chest out I was like yeah I'm an American DJ and uh my balloon's all inflated. I'm just like so excited. And next thing you know, they're like, well, what kind of music do you play? And I said, I play trance. About 90% of those DJs put their head down and just turned around and walked away. And I remember like <laughs> the feeling. I was like, man, I feel like I'm not good enough now. But um, the other guys that hung around were like, oh, you're a trance DJ. Cool, man. Like, I'm this and I'm that. And this is my name. And they took me into the back room. They're like, this is our room. And it was all glowing with black lights and stuff. It was just a small, dirty, smelly little techno room that they had. And uh, I played there for months and months and months. Um, one of the guys that I met at the club happened to be in the in the Air Force, uh, just like my wife. And uh, I invited him over, and he started coming to DJ, and he could actually mix. And I, I'm just watching him. I was like, how did you do that? He was like, oh, it's easy. You just throw it in like this. And I was like, well, yeah, but how do, you, how do you keep it on beat? And we just started talking, and he showed me all the technique of it, but I could not pull a mix to, to save my life. And <clears throat> I remember like probably like a month and a half, two months in, uh, 
I'm just out there rocking out, playing my records and stuff. And all of a sudden, like this light bulb goes off. It's like ding, 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 ding. And I started playing with that pitch a little bit more. And I stopped touching that record. Instead of trying to like slow it up and speed it down, I just played with the pitch up and down. And all of a sudden, my headphones, it sounded like the same song. I was like, what is going on here? So I turned the fader on real quick, and the beats are matched. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I, I took the needles off, pulled my faders down, and I started over. Put the record on, the first one, threw that in. And as it's building up, I rock my record, and I throw that, that second one in. And I can hear it in my headphones. And I didn't even, I didn't want to touch anything because I just wanted to pull the mix. So I didn't have to adjust the, the pitch and, and get the beats matched or anything. I just had to throw it in right. So I do that. I pulled my first mix and I swear, I had so much excitement. I was like jumping up and down. I was like screaming. And there was literally nobody around to share this, this discovery that I made. I felt like I was uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway when he made the fire. I was like, oh, look at me. Me, I made fire, and I started beating on my chest. I was just so excited. So excited, in fact, that I took the, the little bit of money that I had. I only had like a few hundred bucks. And I literally went out uh, on the German economy, and I rented as much recording equipment as I could. Like, I needed CD burners. I needed, uh, I needed a receiver. I needed all this stuff. I spent all of my money on recording equipment, and I just sat there for like a week, just doing all of these mixes. Some were really good. My problem was, is like, if I remember specifically, it was every third and eighth mix, I would train wreck. So, I mean, I was doing take after take after take, just trying to do a one hour perfect set so I could do a DJ set and actually go on a journey. And, uh, you know, I did, I did all this stuff for a, for a while. I was out in Germany for a few years. Uh, I was a resident DJ, uh, at the Crystal Club, and then I was guest DJs at other clubs, and I was just traveling around and having fun, dude. And I, and I made a name for myself, uh, kind of, as DJ Protege, American Trance DJ. And it was funny because the Germans out there couldn't even spell my name right. They put P R O dash DJ and and spelled it weird all the time. They could never just put like P R O T E J E, you know, and. Um, it was a great experience. I learned so much and I met so many great people. And one of the best things about living out there is my focus was not on money. My focus was on music. And how many more, where am I going to get, where's the best record stores? Like when did they have their new stuff coming in? I was digging through record crates like as much as I could. Any money that I had coming in, I was digging through crates trying to spend records. Drove my wife crazy. Because she didn't understand shit. I didn't even understand. I just knew that like I loved it and I needed more. I needed more music. You, you play those same records over and over for long enough and stuff, you kind of lose the feeling. So you need fresh stuff coming in all the time. Well, fast forward again. You know, I had built up a little bit of a name for myself. I had like some things established. Well, military kicks in and they're shipping us back to the United States. And it was actually right back to our hometown, the place where I just left, Colorado Springs. And I was extremely bummed out about this. You know, I did not want to go back to the United States. I knew what was going to happen when I did. Like, I'm going to have to go back into construction and I'm going to have to do this and that. And 
things are just not going to be the same out here. The people are different. We don't like put all of our focus on money. We, we put all of our focus into helping each other and working together and just all this stuff. But I didn't have a choice. I was pretty much forced into it. And even though I was bummed, I also had a lot of responsibilities. My, my wife at the time was like uh, eight and a half, nine months pregnant. And uh, there was a lot of planning involved. Like we had to figure out, you know, getting back to the States. We had two Rottweilers we had to bring back with us, plus all of our stuff. We had to find a place to live. And that's just a whole other story on that journey. That was a pretty hard uh, journey to, to get back home, if you will. And on top of all that, we hit that, I keep hitting that same wall, money. We get back to the States, got my turntables and everything. Um, need to get some, some more equipment. I need recording equipment. I want to put my name out here in the U.S. I know how to DJ now. I can mix. I thought I was like a rock star that was undiscovered. But I hit, I hit that wall of money. And even though I started working again, I went back into being a roofer and we got caught up with some things. Just the life stuff got in the way. You know, uh, my wife was more like, hey, let's create a family. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. But I'm also going to become a rock star. And I want to have this lifestyle. And I was kind of torn. You know, we were young. We were, you know, very early 20s. I think I was like 24, 25. And, um, I didn't have a lot of a lot of strong family values at that time because, like I said, I grew up kind of rough, and the stuff that I was into, and you know, didn't have the education to really go out and do other things. So I was kind of stuck in construction, and I made what I made, and um, I had this this light bulb go off. I was like, "Look, time is ticking. My my son is on the way." You know, we got bills. We, we're buying a new house. We got bills, and I got responsibilities. And if this is going to happen, I have to make it happen now, or I'm going to get locked down and trapped. So literally, I just got to work. I was like, "How am I going to get my name out there? Who, like, who do I know as DJ?" So I hit up my old crews and start meeting more people. Um, you know, met some. Uh, like a whole crew of people that were all in a breakbeats, man, that, that crew inspired me. Like you wouldn't believe, like I fell in love with breakbeats, even though I was a trance DJ, I was just mesmerized by the techniques that they were showing me. Um, this one guy specifically, he, he was just like, yeah, dude, ride the pitch. That's what it's all about. And like, I got on technique turntables, like a very, uh, expensive kind that he had it's the only thing he would spin on i could not pull a mix save my life on those things <laughs> it was just it was awful and i was like dude I, I promise you i swear i'm a good dj this just this equipment's weird and um he's like no it's cool man i believe you and stuff so i started hanging out with them and i had this idea i was like I need to burn more CDs and I need to give my CDs out to people like them and promoters and club owners, anybody I could find that will listen to my music. I need to give out those CDs and promote myself. And that's what I started doing guys. I, I was burning CDs, just DJ set after DJ set uh, playing. I didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have a lot of records. I had a pretty decent collection, but like I said, you can only play those things so much and it's a different technique with records. You know, you have to, uh, you know, some things don't go with the other, with the other things. And, um, 
I start putting out these demos. I start talking to promoters and all of them said the same thing. I was like, dude, can I just, can I be a part of what you're doing? Like, let me be the opening DJ. You don't have to pay me or nothing. I just want to play. And they're like, well, just give me a demo. Let me see how good you are. So I was giving out demos and I wasn't getting callbacks and I was getting frustrated. I was like, how the hell do these guys get booked? Cause these, these raves that I was going to, these DJs are getting paid a lot of money. I started doing the head counts and stuff like, oh, there's uh, there's 8,000 people at this party. And if each one paid $25 per ticket or even $10 a ticket, man, that's a lot of money. I wonder how much they're paying the DJs. And I started going through numbers and I was like, I need to do that. But nobody's listening my, to, to my demos. Nobody's interested in booking me. I found out the hard way that Colorado was just saturated with DJs. Our rave scene had blown up in a way to where everybody wanted to do it. And there was a lot of competition out there. I'm going to some parties and it, I, I couldn't even believe some of these DJs were up there. They were train wrecking. You know, the sound was off. Like I was like, this is not good. And it would make me go away into another room. And what I found was, I watched, uh, I bought a DVD, like a how to DJ DVD. And, uh, I actually still have it to this day, too. And there was a DJ in there. So they, they show, like, mixing tips. They'll show you how to DJ. But they also had, like, little interviews with the with the artists. And uh, I'll never forget it. And it applies to everything still to this day. This DJ was up there, and he said, uh, you know how you get your name out there? You don't give up. You You immerse yourself into this scene. You show up to every party. You offer to, to help. Uh, set the parties up for free. You give out your demos. You throw your own parties. You do whatever it takes to be immersed in the scene because I promise you, somewhere along the way, you don't know when it's going to happen, but somewhere, sometime, the opportunity is going to hit you. And you need to be ready for that. And I was just dialed in. I was like, this guy is speaking gold. How do I, I'm going to do everything that he says. And I did that. I literally... I went to all kinds of parties. I just talked to as many people as I could. And, you know, we, were, we started to uh, throw the house parties again and try to get some momentum. And I went through a lot of ups and downs with that, guys. But the opportunity arose. And here's what happened, guys. During this time, I had uh, lost my wife, gotten divorced, and had all my, my entire life crumbled. And I was still all about the music and just struggling. And I was heartbroken. And I was wondering, I was like, man, is this ever going to work? And you, you know how you are. You start talking crap to yourself like, man, am I even good enough? Especially when you go to show and hurt, hear like the sickest set. It makes you like, be like unworthy. Like, man, I, that guy just threw down some magic. Like I could never compete with that. So I'm going through all this stuff and at that time, the girl that I was with, my new girlfriend, she had uh, very high expectations. And, you know, I just, I was trying to live up to those expectations. And I was still a roofer, and I was not making enough money. I made decent money during the summertime, but that wintertime just killed me. I could not work in the winter to make my bills. And I could tell that she was frustrated by it. And I loved her a lot, and I wanted to make a change. 
as soon as the one person I, I would listen to was to say, hey, you got to do something different. This isn't working. So I was literally at the lowest point of my life up to that point, And I heard this radio ad come on talking about uh, going back to school and getting into information technology. And, you know, they're just stacking up this this big, huge thing on the radio. And I think all of that stuff is scams. Like, I don't call anything I ever hear on the radio, <laughs> you know. But I was at a low point. I was like, you know what? What else do I have to lose? It can't get any worse than this. So I called the phone number. So, yeah, I just want to see what my options are. What are you guys actually offering and all this? And on the other end, this guy answers. His name is Brian. And he says, uh, he says, well, we offer this and that. Why is it that you want to come into uh, IT? You're a roofer now. That's a pretty drastic change. Like, what, what is inspiring about coming over to information technology? And I told him, I said, well, hey, uh, I'm a DJ. And I think that if I learn to use the technology better, it would help make me a better DJ. And he said, you're a DJ. Where do you play at? I said, well, I don't play anywhere right now. I'm kind of having a hard time with that and why I'm in this boat. Like, I, you know, I was playing all over the place in Germany. I come out here and I can't get a gig to save my life. I said, why are you asking? He said, well, it just so happens that I'm a promoter out here in uh, Denver, Colorado. And I'm, uh, I'm also a DJ. And uh, we start talking. I kind of got excited because I felt like I connected with him. And uh, he's like, come on down. Uh, let me show you our courses and everything, and let's get you all signed up and uh, bring a demo with you. So I bring this demo. I was, like, so excited. I was like, fuck, yeah, I got this. I got somebody to listen to me. And I uh, bring this demo, and I give it to him. And it's just, like, kind of like he hung his head in shame again. He was just like, oh, man, you didn't put a label on it. You just put a – just wrote your name in black marker. I said, yeah. I said, uh but the set's really good. So uh, he's like, well, I'll still listen to it. So he takes it away and he listens. And uh, I go through my school thing. I ended up signing up for school. Well, he actually liked the, the set. He said, he said, hey, man, it's not, uh, it's not too bad, dude. I'd love to put you on and stuff. How about uh, you come in on Sunday night here at the church nightclub and uh, I'll, let you, uh, I'll let you get on the decks. So I was like, oh, thank you so much, man. So I, that's literally, that was my starting point right there as a DJ out here in the USA. I, um, I networked, I kept talking to people. And right when I was on the verge of giving up, I got an opportunity. And I was so excited about this. Granted, it was empty rooms on a Sunday night in a church. But this wasn't just any church. This was a church that was modified into a nightclub. It's actually a pretty, pretty awesome place. It's one of my favorite places in Colorado. And uh, I started playing there. And the very first night that I played, the bouncer tried to kick me out. The douchebag lied and said that he caught me upstairs trying to steal liquor. And uh, my promote, the promoter was like, really, dude? I was like, come on, dude. First of all, it's Sunday. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to get drunk. I was literally upstairs looking for the smoking section. So he let me stay. And uh, I DJed there for a few months. And a few months in and stuff, like, 
I got really used to the sound system. Um, I was drawing people in. The few people that were there on those nights, I would draw them in. There's even times where the, the bartenders were just like all hyped up and dancing uh, up on the bars and stuff. I mean, it was just kind of like our own little thing. But eventually, um, I got the confidence up to talk to the promoter and be like, hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. It's, uh, it's, it's just really not worth my time. Like it's a Sunday night. And, you know, I got to work the next day. There's, there's really nobody here and stuff. And it's kind of a waste of my time at this point. And to my surprise, again, another opportunity falls in my lap. Promoter was like, oh, hold on a second, dude. I totally understand what you're saying, but you're one of the best DJs I have on my, on my roster. And I don't want to let you go. How about, how about you come in on a Friday? It's our busiest night of the week. Come in on Friday, and I'll put you on at 10 o'clock, and I'll pay you. I said, what? He said, yeah. He's all, I know it's only a 10 o'clock slot, but you got to start somewhere. I said, dude, I'm totally cool with that. How much are you going to pay me? And we worked things out, and I show up on this Friday night. I was literally so nervous, I was about to throw up. Because just before I arrived, I had it in my head. I was like, you know what? Something's happening here. And... I need to make a decision. Am I going to do this like seriously or am I doing this just to go out and party? So I made a decision on my way to that gig. I was like, I'm going to take this serious. And what that means is I'm, I'm going to DJ sober. I'm going to do like perfect sets, not rehearsed. That's my other thing is I'm never going to rehearse my sets. It's going to be all freestyle so I can really connect with the crowd. And I show up and I needed something to calm down. So my, my little routine that I came up with at that time was one bowl, one beer, and one shot. It was just enough to calm me down and not get me all jacked up. So I, I was still playing sober. So I was like, hell yeah. And that night was probably one of the best sets that I've ever spun to this day. It was it was all freestyle. Like this new mixer with all these different effects and buttons and just something happened. Everything fell into place. All of this experience that I gained over the last however many years had just like everything just clicked and made sense. I, it, it happened in such a way to where I was actually just pulling CDs out, popping them in. I didn't even know what song was going to come on. I just popped the CD in, press play. This in my headphones and matched it up within just a few seconds. And then I'm already throwing the beat in and breaking it down with effects. Uh, this this DJ boost was all the way up on the top. So I was looking down on top of the audience. The, the DJ booth was like a, like a preacher's altar, but it was way up top. And what was cool about this experience is as I'm getting started, there wasn't a whole lot of people there. But, you know, there was, a, there was like probably a few hundred. And as I'm playing... I was like, man, I wonder what they're going to want to hear. I play a track. They looked up at me and they were like, yeah, man, play that. I was like, cool. I'm going to stick with this kind of style. And that's what I did. And by the end of my set, there was literally like four or 500 people just bouncing. A lot of them were my friends from the house parties that uh, I had been working over the last like year. And, uh, Man, it was just such a sick set that I threw down, and I, I came down off that altar when my set was done. Everybody was cheering, and my friends just surrounded me. And I just never forget, my girlfriend was like, she just looked at me. She said, wow, 
And that's that was like the greatest feeling because that's the main thing I wanted was uh, I wanted her to be proud of me and stuff. So I had this great experience and I continued on with this for like the next eight months. I had no idea how to promote myself or do anything other than handing out demos. And I remember MySpace popping up and I, I created this account and I started talking to people. And when I got this gig at the church, I found out I can have a guest list. So I started sending stuff out to, to MySpace people. I was like, hey, I got a free guest list if you want to come and see me DJ on this night. My list was filling up between, it started off with just a few hundred people, but it built up to be consistent, 800 to 1,000 people every single show on my guest list. And that's actually what really started getting people's attention that I was working with, like my promoter and the club owner and, uh, and the people that they work with and all that. So this is kind of where uh, I'm going to leave this story be because something amazing happened. Okay. About eight months in, I'm just rocking. I got this following. I got a minimum of a thousand people a show coming to see me DJ. And the promoter gives me a phone call, Brian. And he says, Hey man, I don't want to be a promoter anymore. I just really want to stick to DJing and focus on my music and my new career. Would you be interested in taking over my company and carrying our name on? we got a good thing going and I'd like to see it carry on even though I'm not in it. I said, what? He was like, yeah, I'd like you to take, take it over. So I, I was like, well, we can meet up and talk about it. And, um, you know, I'm trying to play it all cool on the outside, but inside, like my heart is racing and emotions are exploding. And I'm just like, what the heck is happening? And I go and meet him and, uh, he tells me, he was like, yeah, dude, like, here's what I want to do. He's all, I'll be honest with you. You weren't my first pick, but you know, my first pick doesn't want to, he doesn't want anything to do with this. So you're my second option and I would love to have you on because I know that you've ran your own business and you've had success in it and you're hardworking. You're a great DJ. You got the crowd. You got everything that you need. And I think that you could take this to another level. So it was like, uh, I, I accept your, your offer, buddy. And we actually had an agreement. Uh, he'll pass over the company to me, get me connected. We'll promote it as me taking over as the new ownership. And, uh, I'll get this, I'll get a night every single month at the church nightclub to promote my own parties. And in exchange, Brian gets to headline at uh, a few shows a year, like Mardi Gras, because he built that party up, Halloween, and just certain events he would get the DJ and headline. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And that, my friends, is not only how I became a DJ, but I got... I got pretty much transformed into a promoter. And I was so excited for this. So I'm going to leave it uh, at that for right now because there's a lot more to the story. And that's actually where all the juicy stuff is, is when I became a promoter. And as I was trying to build myself up as a DJ too. So I can't wait to share that stuff with you guys, but we're going to save that for another episode. I really hope that you enjoyed what you've heard so far and that you got some little nuggets out of it, you know, just to kind of recap, like one of the things I can say as an upcoming artist, somebody that's invisible to the world right now, as far as 
putting out their music and coming up as a DJ or some kind of artist or performer is the promotion part and not giving up. Like we all have life circumstances and uh, not everything goes our way. We have all heard the term, you know, when life happens. Well, that stuff happens all the time and you might feel like giving up, but as long as you stay immersed into the things that you love and keep developing yourself and keep trying to master your craft, eventually sometime, some way, an opportunity is going to fall on your lap and you need to make sure that you're ready for it. So that's all I have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Feel free to comment and let me know what you guys think. Um, I am always looking for more people to get involved. If you got a story that you would love to share, please contact me. Um, I respond to all of my people. This podcast is new, so I would love to know what you guys want to hear. Uh, there's a lot of struggling artists out there that are trying to get their music out there and get people to hear it and uh, maybe become a performer or, or whatever it is. I would love to hear your comments to see what you're dealing with. And if you haven't overcome it, ask the questions like, what can I do? Thanks, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I cannot wait for you to hear this next episode. Stay tuned.